we're going to be continuing to look at the sword of the spirit and the six things that come against it to cause it to be dull, to cause it to be ineffective. We've uh, looked at five tactics so far in the previous weeks that we've been looking at this. And tonight we're looking at the most drastic of them. But it is amazing how quickly the believers in the Bible see this unfold in their lives. So we're going to see where, uh, what it is, where it occurred, how it materialized in life, and potentially even ours, and how to keep it from affecting your sword. You can use the sword of the Spirit against a habit that you might want to break. You can use it to, as an increase or decrease in an area or a gifting. And you can use it to obtain things for the kingdom of God. There are multiple things that the sword of the Spirit can be good for in our life. But if we have received the rhema word, a spoken word from God, a revelation, the, the things we looked at so far is that first off, the enemy tries to make it to be an uncertain word. If it's an uncertain word, if I'm not sure who sent it, if I'm not sure exactly what the message was, I will be uncertain using it in battle. There's an untruthful word or corrupt. If I allow the word that I receive to become corrupted, to allow some untruth to be mixed in, it will become broken in battle. I can begin to look at it as unnecessary. Well, I understand that's what God said, but I don't think I need to do it. If that's the case, then I will not honor it in battle. So I won't use it, I won't speak it. Could be on a, uh, an unavailing word. I see it, I will not see it as effective or beneficial in, in battle. I understand that God said it. I understand that it's probably true. But I don't really see that it's going to make any difference. The example we looked at was Zedekiah. All right, things are so bad. I hear what God's saying, but I don't see that even if we obey that it's really going to do any good. No. On Sunday, we looked at the unoccupied word. When we doubt the word that once had been operating in our lives. We did at one point occupy it. We were having this thing going on in our life, but then for whatever reason, we abandoned it. And we left it to be not operating anymore. And that will cause the sword to be, be useless. And here in this, this last one, this is the unremembered word. Now, you cannot look for a definition of unremembered. I tried. So what I did instead was I looked for the definition of remembered and just put a knot in front of it. <laughs> so, definition of remembered with a knot in front of it is to not recall to mind by an act or effort of memory or to think of again. To not retain in the memory or keep in mind. To remain unaware of or to not have something come into mind again. I knew it at one time. But I decided to move away from it and I'm not remembering it anymore. And this is a little bit different from the unoccupied in that I was operating in this, but for whatever reason, we, we gave up on it. We gave you a number of examples. Most of those people in the unoccupied remembered the word. They just let it go. But here, these are cases where people actually forgot it, didn't recall it. 
wouldn't make any effort to recall it anymore. I stopped walking in a word long enough that I could have forgotten it. Now, at some point, there was a deliberate process to disbelieve the rhema word, deeming it unworthy of a few things. I just wrote down three things. You could probably expand on this list and look at, look at some more. But when we move something into this category of an unremembered word, at some point, there was a deliberate process to disbelieve the word that God spoke to us, the revelation that God gave to us. And we deemed it unworthy of positive thought. It is given negative thought for a time in order to render it useless in our lives. God wants us to take the things that he has spoken to us and we give positive thought to it. And maybe we did that for a while. But now I've switched over. Now I'm giving it negative thoughts. I'm actually acting against that word that God has spoken to me. And I'm no longer thinking that. God may have spoken a word of healing. And I was giving that positive thoughts. But now all of a sudden I'm giving it negative thoughts. Well, I thought God did this. Well, I didn't think this should go on anymore. And we, we have negative thoughts about those things. So first off, we deemed whatever that rhema word was of unworthy of positive thought. The second thing is we've deemed it unworthy of influence upon our walk. At one point, we allowed this thing to influence our walk, but now no more. Something else comes in to pick up the influence and take us in a contrary direction. And we look at the examples of this in the Word, and we will see this. There are a lot of examples for this in the Word, and I'm not hitting some of the ones that I really was enjoying going through. Uh, I don't know, I've, I've, I've thought about this. Maybe we'll take a second, we can go back on it, because there's, there's two examples of this. I was really enjoying going through. I spent quite a few hours just going through in the story and said, all right, we're not going to use that tonight. So, <laughs> so, but I, I'm still holding this. Boy, I haven't taught this one story in a long, long time. And um, we'll, we'll see what we do with that. But anyway, something else has come along and it has picked up the influence. And of course, it's taken us in a contrary direction from the way the Word of God was taking us. And the third is I've deemed it unworthy of regulating of our actions. Before I had actions born of the light that was produced from the rainbow word that I had, but not anymore. Now I'm having, <clears throat> I'm having actions that are native to the darkness that took its place. Some of the quick examples we'll give you in this is Israel before Josiah came along. They had been learning the things of the Word. But then after a couple of kings who were very much against God, they had forgotten. And when Josiah came along, he went into the temple and they uncovered the Word of God and they read it. They didn't even... Uh, what, this, is, this is what God said? Oh, man, we are in trouble. They had no idea. They, they did not know because they got no attention. Ephesians, the Ephesians church, was told in the book of Revelation that they forgot their first love. Well, at one point they operated in that, but now they, it says you have forgotten. You have left your first, your first love. But a couple of the examples we're going to take a look at. The first one here is in 2 Chronicles chapter 24. 2 Chronicles 24. Familiar story with you. This one I know you, you all know pretty well. But Jehoiada grew old and was full of days, and he died, and he was 130 years old when he died. They buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel, both towards God and his house. 
Now after the death of Jehoiada, the leaders of Judah came and bowed down to the king, and the king listened to them. Up until then, he had been listening to Jehoiada. But at this point, he begins to switch that over, and he, he listens to, to them. And he, uh, he presses on and says, verse 18, Therefore they left the house of the Lord, God of their fathers, and served wooden images and idols, and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespasses. We're not given a whole lot of detail of what happened between those two verses, but we just know that these folks were looking for an opportunity. They weren't too thrilled about going after the things of God like Jehoiada was doing, but they didn't feel like they had the place to do it just yet. But once Jehoiada was gone, they saw an opportunity. They came on in, and they, <clears throat> they moved in here. And I wrote down in your outline uh, that they were not remembering, or that not remembering can simply be a couple of things. Did I just leave you a blank space there, or did I give you... Did I put it all in? Oh, well, look at that. All right. I was... I was I pulled out a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> Normally, I have um, a certain number of pages, and I kind of regulate the time for where we're, we're going. And on a Wednesday night, that page count usually goes up to anywhere from 16 to 18, just on, on my aspect, and we are way over that. <laughs> so I had to take a whole lot of those things out of the uh, outline that you had and just see what we could uh, put in there. So I'm glad I left that in there. But not remembering can simply be, first off, listening to different opinions that you did be, than, than you did before. And this is really what goes on here with Joash. He's listening to different opinions. Before, he listened to the opinions of Jehoiada and those that agreed with him, and he listened to those opinions. But now he's listening to other opinions. By listening to those other opinions, he forgot. He walked in a way to not give reference to what he had walked in before. It's similar to unoccupied, but... There's a deliberate attempt that I am not going to go that way. I am not going to remember it. And there's a, a, an actual rejection that comes to place with this particular thing. Somewhere along the way, there is some kind of a rejection, a deliberate process to disbelieve what God has said. And we don't always see that with the unoccupied. Sometimes we just kind of have wandered away from it. But listening to different opinions than you did before. Second, seeing the past is holding you back from better things. Sometimes we look at our past, and I've been doing these things that God has been saying, and the, the thought comes in, because you've been listening to what God has said, these haven't, this hasn't happened in your life. You would be making more money. You would be more prosperous. You would be having all these things if you just hadn't done that. Well, yeah, if I could have just gotten rid of all these things, and... This takes us in a different direction because we see the past is holding us back. So I am rejecting the past that I walked in in order to go in this particular area. Somehow this was going on with Joash because he had to reject the past of how he was walking with Jehoiada to embrace what these people were telling him was ahead. They must have been citing some things in the kingdom. You see, if we hadn't had done all that Jehoiada had said, if we hadn't been spending all this time on the house of God, on going after the things of God, we could be prospering like the nations are around us. We could be doing these things like the nations are around us. We've got to get rid of those things, and so they're, they're going in that way. Uh, being persuaded to go in a new direction. People come along, and you've been going in one direction, but uh, people are persuading you. You know, let's, let's go in this direction over here. Let's head out in this this particular direction over, over here. Uh, now, one of the things, you, you probably had this conversation before too, but Keith and I used to have these conversations about gas every once in a while. 
And um, if you had to spend any time talking, anybody here talk to Keith about gas? Oh, I'm surprised because he was just very passionate about this. But he and I, we would have conversations. Yes. Yeah, he was very passionate about gas and that Costco was the best gas uh, out there. And he would uh, sometimes bring Vanessa over here on the practice on Thursday and drive all the way out to Warminster, uh, wherever the Costco was over there, because they had gas stations in it. Now, I was always careful. I didn't put the cheap gas in. We were driving by a spot, and my wife was saying, how come their gas is so cheap, They're so inexpensive? And I said, because they're cheap gas. It was, uh, it mentioned the, the uh, outfit that was there, and they said, yeah, they used to be Gulf, but uh, they sold over to this one, and these guys own it now, and I would never put their gas in my tank. And, uh, but uh, we recently had the opportunity where Costco opened up a gas station that uh, was right near our house. So now I make my way on down there and get the Costco gas because <laughs> it's cheaper, and <laughs> the words of Keith keep bringing inside. See, he, I, there was a persuasion in a new direction. <laughs> I allowed myself to yield to that, and so um, now there's an opportunity that I wasn't going to drive from my house all the way out to, to where he was going in Warminster to, um, to get the Costco gas, but since it's not too far from my house, all right, well, you know, we're going over there. You can be persuaded to go in a new direction, and sometimes we've had people that have persuaded us to go in a new direction, a direction different from how we had gone before. Um, it's not always a bad thing that we go in a direction, but when we see it in the Word of God, people that are going in a direction that God has and get persuaded to go in a new direction, it's not, uh, it's not beneficial for those. Feeling that those who were once helpful didn't do so because they cared for you. That sometimes will come on up. And I don't know if, if, if Joash was sold any of this when these leaders came up to him. Jehoiada, I know it looked like he was on your side. I know it looked like he was trying to help you out. But really, he kept it from all these things over here, and he kept it from all these parties, and he kept it from all from rubbing elbows with all these higher ups. And boy, if you could have done that, you could have been advanced. You could have had all these things going on in your life, and now you have the opportunity to go in this direction. I don't know if any of that was was in there because we're not really told between those two verses all the things that went on to persuade him. But sometimes, people will tell us that someone that we thought was really on our side was not on our side and that they were leading us in a bad direction. And so then we reject all the things that they had done to go into a, you know, a, a new direction. Sometimes you, you listen to some of those psychiatrists and some of those people, you know, it's your father's fault, it's your mother's fault, and they actually will lead you in a way that everything that is wrong in your life is a result of something that your parents have done. And so that can cause them to just reject everything that their parents had taught them, everything their parents had put into them. And that new way is not necessarily a good way for them. And the fifth one was changing your view on darkness and light. Have you ever talked with people and they used to be, have a pretty good handle on what was light and then all of a sudden they are talking about darkness. They're talking about evil things as, as if it is the light of God. Something came in and persuaded them. Something came in and and took them in a wrong direction. And so they have, uh, you may bring up to them, don't you remember that the word said this? But they have outright, outright rejected it. Well, I don't remember anything like that. Or I don't think anything like that is so. And they've gone in a new direction. And this is what we see here with him. Verse 19, yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord. And they testified against them, but they would not listen. So God didn't just let them go for whatever direction they were going, he saw the people that came into Joash's life. 
he saw the things that they were saying. He saw that Joash put, uh, uh, gave credence to that and he followed in that direction. Well, he sent his prophets. Hey, look, remember what God has done. Remember the word. No, we're not going to remember that. No, we're not going to do it. We're not going to go in that direction anymore. Now, when we say not remembered, we've uh, talked about this. I don't know how long ago it was, but remember we, the, the word of the scripture that says he, that the Lord will not remember your sins against you. And people have often taught that that means that he won't remember them and that he puts them in a sea of forgetfulness and he will never recall them to memory again. Now, that's not what the Bible teaches. But you see, if you buy into that false teaching right there, then when you see that God forgives them and then brings back to mind what it is that they had done, now all of a sudden you're saying, wait a minute, if he says that he puts it in the sea of, of uh, forgetfulness, and then he brings it back. And what's that mean? No, he doesn't remember it against you. That's what the word says. He will not remember the sin against you. Doesn't mean he won't call it to mind. It means that he won't remember it against you. I'm okay with God remembering the things that I did, but I'm, I'm better off that he won't remember them against me. And so when these people are forgetting, I may be able to recall the mind what that was, but I'm not remembering it in a way to utilize it or to bring, I've rejected it. I've decided that it is no longer mine, no longer something that I need to do. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest, who stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he has also forsaken you. So they conspired against him, and at the command of the king, they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but killed his son. And as he died, he said, The Lord look on it and repay. Not quite what Stephen had said, but uh, we can relate to that a whole lot more. Now, we spent time on this story before. We uh, brought you into the fact that if Jehoiada had raised Joash in his own house, then Joash knew his son, that they were buddies, that they lived in the same house, they probably did a lot of things together, that this is not someone he is not familiar with. And there's probably a lot of things that even the son had done to sow into Joash's life. I bet you there's even some things that Joash did to sow into his life. And these things have gone on, but he had rejected the word of God. He had gone in a new direction. He had bought into new people, put it into his life, so much so that he was able to get to this spot and someone who more than likely was a friend and the son of someone who saved his life. And he didn't remember all that in the point to, to have any effect on, it, on his life, on his actions. But he had actions born of the darkness that he had decided to buy into. And so at his command, this son was killed. Now the Spirit of God came upon him. If you're looking at, this, at God, he sent prophets to him. But he said, all right, well, I really want him to, to come along. So I will send someone to him that is someone from his past. Someone who is close to him. Someone that he knows and hopefully still has a, a love for and sent them to him, and he, they killed him. Boy, there's a lot of similarities there between God sending his son and 
Jehoiada's son going in on this and also being killed. So God didn't just stand by while his words were disregarded. He sent his prophets, but the people said no to those prophets, to those words that God had sent on numerous occasions. It wasn't just once, twice, three times. On a number of occasions, they said no to the word that was coming, the word that came to pull them back, because I am not going to go in that direction. I have rejected that direction. This is a very drastic uh, way to take out the sword, more so than the others. But you see, even here, God is speaking a word. He is saying a word to them. That is a sword of the Spirit. If they would take that sword and embrace it, they could combat this darkness that they're in. They could combat this wrong direction that they're in. But they're not taking that sword. They're rejecting the sword. They're not remembering the things that God has said. And they're going in another direction. Well, over in Judges chapter 8, we're gonna, we've uh, looked a number of times at Gideon and some of the things that he has done, but uh, this actually picks up after Gideon is dead. In Judges chapter 8, verse 33, and so it was as soon as Gideon was dead, the children of Israel again played the harlot with the Baals and made Baal Bareth their god. Thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who had delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. Nor did they show kindness to the house of Jeroboam, Jeroboam, uh, Gideon, in order, uh, in accordance with the good he had done for Israel. So, Gideon had put his life on the line. He had delivered them from the Midianites, and he had uh, watched over them for all the years after that, for quite a few years. He was the judge of Israel, and he kept them following after the things of God, and kept things in a, in a good place in there. And they didn't remember that. And so as soon as he is gone, they go after the Baals. They go after the false gods again. And we're going to skip the part here of the 70 brothers, but there are, he has 70 brothers because Gideon had a lot of wives, the word of God says. 70 boys. We don't know how many girls. But, you know, 50-50, you could very well be 70 and 70. That's 140 kids. 140 kids. That, that is a lot of kids. Holy smokes. What kind of job do you have to have to support 140 kids plus the wives that were there? And, but apparently there was one concubine. He had all these wives. He had one concubine. And by that concubine, he had one son. I don't know if he had any more than the, any other daughters. But, it, but uh, Abimelech is the son. And it seems to be he's the only son he had there. And so over the course of the next chapter, he uh, tells his people, he says, look, you want the se- all the 70 sons of Gideon to reign over you, or you want me? I'm part of you. I'm from you, from your area here. Uh, we're brothers. Do you, what would you like? And so they decided, let's have you. And so Abimelech uh, rose up, and they uh, hired some worthless people, and they went in, and they killed 70 of the brothers. And the people are in on it. And so the guy who gave his uh, life for you, they go off and they kill off all his sons. You would think if you had 70 boys, you'd have uh, enough people to carry on your name. Apparently, it wasn't quite enough. Now, one of the boys escaped. One of the boys hid himself, and he, uh, he escaped. And in that chapter, you'll see all that. But Abimelech uh, ruled over uh, Israel for three years as the judge. And uh, because he had done this in evil, evil came up upon him. And 
Well, uh, he was removed, so to speak. <laughs> After that, there were two other judges, but very little is said of them. And they judged Israel for, Israel for a total of 45 years. So 45 years and three years, that's 48 years that transpired before we have the next one that comes in that delivers them from some of their enemies. And the uh, chapters there will, will tell you that if you want to go through and, and take a look at it. But it's another case of forgetting the kindness of people. They forgot the kindness that Gideon had done. They forgot the things that he had done to help the, them, and so they killed all his offer, offspring off. Now, I don't, know, I don't know if I left this in your outline or not, but I have it in mind. There is not a single case of persons who forgot the kindness that others showed to them. Not a single case in the Word of God who did not also forget about and forsake God. There are a lot of cases in the Word of Word of God that talk about people in the same situation where they forgot the good that was done for them by people. Saul forgot the good that was done by David and turned on him to try and kill him. And there's just so many other cases of this. I've, I've thought of it too. If, if we had more detail of Cain and Abel, how much do you think Abel did for Cain that was good? I think probably along the line something was going on there that Cain had uh, probably shared some of the crops that he had to help Abel out, and, or I'm sorry, to help Cain out in, in something. Uh, but then Cain responded by, by killing him. Number of cases. So many cases of this going on where people forgot the good that was done to them by certain people and then rose up and either killed them, rose up and came against them, a lot of cases that not a single time does it occur that the people who rose up and forgot the good that those people did, that they also rose up and forgot the good that God did and forsook God. Not a single example in the Word where that didn't happen. That tells me that's a pretty strong pattern. Saul forgot the good that David did and ended up rejecting God and all the things that God had done for him. And we see a number of, of cases like this uh, that are in the Word of God. But not spending time on, on all those. In 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1 through 5, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying His power, and from such people turn away. Well, we know this is what says uh, in, the, in the last days, perilous times will come. These things will be there. And among the things that are in there is they are unthankful and unholy. In Romans 1.21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. There's a direct correlation in this verse, that when the people became unthankful, they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. It's Proverbs 17 and 13. Whoever rewards evil for good, evil 
will not depart from his house. So if we're going to go, and there's more verses on this than, than, uh, than just these, but this is enough to show you. If I operate in a pattern of unthankfulness, if I operate in a pattern where I'm not grateful and not thankful for what people have done for me in the past, for what Jehoiada had done for, for uh, Joash in the past, for what the people of Israel had received from Gideon, when they walked in such a way as to become ungrateful, when Saul walked in such a way as to become ungrateful, of one of his best warriors in his army. When he walked in that way, we walk in a way to become unholy, unfruitful in our thoughts, given over to darkness. Their foolish hearts were darkened. This is the pattern that's in the Word of God. If we become unthankful, we will go down in this direction. And so that is the pattern that will, will go on. Before we get into this place of being unforgetful, or being un, uh, unremembering of the things that are coming, we have to become unthankful for them. We have to see them as not being good. So these people who come to Joash and speak to him about the times and the days under Jehoiada, they had to get him to the place where he was not grateful for those days, where he was not thankful for those days. He was not thankful for the things that Jehoiada had done, so that eventually it got to the point that when he saw his son, proclaiming words against him, he had no problem with kill him, take him out. Where Saul has no problem throwing a spear at his best warrior in the army. These are the things that would go on. Where the children of Israel had no problem with killing 70 innocent people simply because they became unthankful and their hearts were darkened. In Judges chapter 10, verse 6, where we pick up again. Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now this is after all that had transpired in, in, um, with Abimelech and with the other two judges, but I, I sort of think that this is talking about that overlap time, that this is how Israel was operating during these three judges. Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths and the gods of Syria the gods of, the, of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, the gods of the Philistines, and they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. So in the beginning of chapter, or the beginning of, of the section we looked in chapter 8, we saw that they went after the Baals, but apparently over the course of all these years, they also added all these other gods in there, and, and uh, they didn't leave too many of them out there. The Ashtoreths, that was always one that came up, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, the gods of the Philistines, and they forsook the Lord and did not serve him because they rejected the word that was spoken. So the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. From that year they harassed and oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years. All the children of Israel who were on the other side of the Jordan and the land of the Amorites in Gilead. Moreover, the people of Ammon crossed over the Jordan to fight against Judah also, against Benjamin, and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was severely distressed. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you, because we have both forsaken our God and served the Baals. So the Lord said to the children of Israel, Did I not deliver you from the Egyptians, and from the Amorites, and from the people of Ammon, and from the Philistines, also the Sidonians, and the Amalekites, and the Mayanites oppressed you, and you cried out to me, and I delivered you from their hand. Yet you have forsaken me, have served other gods. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry out to the gods that you have chosen. 
Let them deliver you in your time of distress. How many are glad for this? I mean, go God. Yeah. <laughs> and the children of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. And his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. So they did this without a promise from God that he's going to deliver them. And God says, I'm not doing it. I'm not delivering them. And here they are putting away their gods, burning them all up. Angels are saying, you see what they're, they're burning? I don't care. I don't care. Let them call on those gods. And then they kept on uh, operating that way. And God says, oh, I just can't take it anymore. <laughs> he says, all right, let's go help them out. And the people of Ammon gathered together and encamped in Gilead, and the children of Israel assembled together and encamped in Mitzvah. And the people, the leaders of Gilead, said to one another, Who is the man who will begin the fight against the people of Ammon? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And uh, that leads us into quite an interesting story with uh, Jephthah and the uh, things that are going on with that, that battle. But that came up, and, and they were delivered. There God came through and, and helped them out. In Jeremiah 2, verse 11, Has a nation changed its gods, which are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. My people have changed their glory for what does not profit. But see, they forgot God. They left God. They walked in the wrong direction. They changed their gods. But they're not gods. But they changed their gods. They went after other things. They had to forget the things that God had said. They had to reject the things that had gone on in the past. Other verses on forgetting God was Deuteronomy 4.9. Only give heed to yourselves and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen. And they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Give heed to yourself. They were not giving heed to the things of God. They were not giving heed to the things that they already knew. They had forgotten those things that their eyes had seen. Deuteronomy 6.10 Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards, olive trees which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied. Then watch yourselves that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. God knew down the road you're going to forget this. So he's telling them, don't do it. Oh, it's not? Oh, I must have copied it from something else. Then. Probably, oh, I forget the name of the translation that I probably pulled that one from. All right, that's what the, <laughs> yep, uh, sometimes I just, uh, uh, I guess if I didn't notice that the top was not uh, set to the New King James, I copied it over in the wrong format. So it's probably the same thing with the rest of these verses here. But Deuteronomy eight ten through 14, when you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commands and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today otherwise. When you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud. You will forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. One of the keys to being walking in a forgetful 
way or not remembering his pride. And he cites that out here. Deuteronomy 12:29. When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations which you are going in to dispossess, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, be worried that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, How do these nations serve their gods that I also may do likewise? So you come in, and you, you conquer them, but now I want to find out about their gods. How do we serve them? You shall not behave thus toward the Lord your God for every abominable act which the Lord hates they have done for their gods, for they even burn their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. He said, don't be emulating that. Don't be going after that. One more, Exodus 32, 1 through 8. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, come make us a God who will go before us. And for as for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, tear off the gold rings which are in your ears and your wives and your sons. And you all know the story. Tear it off. And, and so they made a feast. And they uh, went after God, and God spoke to Moses and said, Go down at once, for your people whom you brought up from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Well, that's not a good thing to do. But they had done it, done it there. In 1 Kings 11... There's another example of someone who forgot. And they forgot a rhema word that was given to them, just like the children of Israel forgot the rhema things that were spoken to them. The children of Israel, when they came to that mountain, the Mount Sinai, they forgot what God had done to part the waters, what God had done to wipe out the Egyptians, what God had done with the ten plagues, what God had done with producing water, what God had done to uh, so many places that he had delivered them up until that mountain. They'd forgotten all those things. It wasn't that they couldn't remember. It's that they decided not to. In 1 Kings 11, verse 1, But King Solomon loved many foreign women as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn your, away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to those in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. So he had more, more women than Gideon did. For so it was when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. said when he was old, so it didn't happen right away. For Solomon after the Ashtoreths, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, for Moloch, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. And I commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. He did not keep what the Lord had spoken. He did not keep the rhema word that was given to him. 
Then the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this and have not kept my covenant, my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days. For the sake of your father David, I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to the son, to your son, for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. So, Solomon was given two appearances by God. God spoke things to him. That was a direct word he had from God. He could have used that to come against these thoughts about multiplying wives to himself, these thoughts about building these, these temples. He could have used it. He didn't use it. He, didn't, uh, he, he knew what God had done. He knew what God had spoke, but he walked in a way against it. Not right away. In Nehemiah 9.16, But they and our fathers acted proudly, hardened their necks, and did not heed your commands. They refused to obey, and they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them. Is not being mindful in forgetting or not remembering the same thing. It pretty much is, isn't it? They were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them. But they hardened their necks, and in their rebellion they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them, even when they made a molten calf for themselves and said, This is your God that brought you out of Egypt and worked great provocation. Yet in your manifold mercies you did not forsake them in the wilderness, the pillar of the cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way they should go. You also gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Even though they did all these things, you still came through and did all this. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. Can you imagine having a pair of shoes that last for 40 years? <laughs> Clothes that last for 40 years in the wilderness of all places. So it seems that not only does God expect us to remember what he did for us, but also what he did for those who were before us. He expects it. He expects you to know what he did for the people who came before us. That's the people in the word of God. That's the people in the church after the book of Acts, you're supposed to remember what God has done to people in your family. You're supposed to remember what people, what God has done for the stories that have been passed down in your generations. You are supposed to remember this. This is supposed to have an effect upon you. Now, in the eyes of God, there is a discernible difference between forgetting what God did and rejecting what God did. Forgetting is, I don't remember what God did or said, bringing no benefit to my life. Well, I just didn't remember what God had done. Now, as you tell me about it, well, I remember now. But rejecting, I remember what God did or is attributed to have done or said, but reject its importance or significance in my life. And for most of the people in this, you're going to see that there is a rejection. There is an outright deliberate, I am not going in that direction anymore. With uh, Joash, there was a rejection of the way of Jehoiada for a new way that these people were telling them about. For Saul, there was a rejection 
of the way of God to go in a way that meant he was going to be angry and trying to murder people. There, there was a rejection that had gone on. There was a rejection of Israel at Mount Sinai of the things of God to build golden camps and to go into... It's not that they couldn't remember what God had already done, but there was a rejection. I had, they have decided to not remember anymore. I'm not going to remember that to the account. I'm not going to remember that to a place where this has an effect upon my actions. I'm not going to remember this in a way that it affects my walk. I'm not going to remember it that way. Now, how quickly did they forget? Well, Israel at Mount Sinai, they forgot in less than 40, or didn't remember in less than 48 days. Less than 40 days. Beginning of that 40 days, they're all excited. Moses going up, hear from God, tell us what he says. Before the 40 days is over, they have already gone in another direction. Less than 40 days. With Gideon and Jehoiada, it's days after the funeral. Days. They begin to make a, a, a change. With Saul, he was going in a fine direction. Then all of a sudden, one day, he's not going in that direction anymore. In less than one day, Adam and Eve didn't remember the kindness that Jesus had toward them as he walked with them in the garden. In less than one day, they went from a place of remembering all the things that God had done to a place of rejecting what God had said. Has God really said, don't eat of the tree? They rejected it. For Solomon, it took longer. But the love of sin turned him from from tolerating false worship to building and providing for it to, as the Word of God says, actually pursuing the false worship. It didn't come overnight for him. It took a little bit longer. But some of these, you're looking at hours and days, and they turned. How long after David's kindness towards Saul did Saul change? How long after Jesus' kindness to the Jews did they change? How long was it after he had healed them of their diseases? Healed them of, of uh, ailments that had lasted years and years and then crucify him, crucify him. How long did it take? How long did they go to where they wouldn't remember what Jesus had done that benefited their lives anymore? How about Paul? How long did it, did it take for a Gentile city that when Paul came in and began doing the miracles and people were healed and people were flocking to the meeting to all of a sudden stone them, beat them, arrest them. How long did it take? It didn't take very long, did it? It seemed like they went pretty, pretty quick. As we already mentioned to you, it seems that people first become ungrateful and then forgetful or not remembering the good that was done for them. The first thing they do is become ungrateful. In Paul's case, when he went into the city and he began to uh, let the power of God flow and miracles were going on and people were glad and they wanted to hear more. But then something happened. People would come over and they would say things. They became ungrateful for the miracles that had occurred in their life just last week. And they would not remember that and have that affect their actions anymore. 
Same thing with Jesus. They had to become ungrateful for the things that Jesus taught them. They had to become ungrateful for the miracles that, that had occurred. How many meetings did it, was it said that Jesus healed all that were sick? All that were brought to him. So, what is our defense? How do I defend against this? I just left this here for you to write these in. You can write them in as you, as you please. But my defense here is this. If I'm going to defend against this kind of thing, and don't say, well, I've been saved for too long, it's not going to happen. We gave you enough examples here to show you it can happen. It can happen to people. You, you be surprised who this can happen to. All of a sudden, they become ungrateful and they will pop, go after this particular direction. First thing is, think on what God has done as good. Now, that's part's important. Think on what God has done as good. You've got to think on what God has done in your life, but think of it as something that is good. Something that is good. You can put it this way. If you were handed um, a raise at a, at a place, that you, you were told, okay, you're gonna, uh, we're going to give you a, a raise into uh, where you are, where you work, and you, oh, man, this is great. I got such and such a raise. This is phenomenal. And then when you went on home and you crunched the numbers, you found out, oh, wait a minute, that wasn't as big of a raise as I thought it was. And then you found out that the other people on your, your uh, group, that they all got bigger raises than you did. Hmm. That's not so good. I don't quite, uh, I don't quite like that one. <laughs> We're, we got a little surprised at that. But think on what God has done is good. You see, I was thinking on that raise as being good for a while until all of a sudden I started to crunch the numbers on this. Oh, wait a minute. It's not as good as I thought. Think on what God has done for you as good. But the devil can turn it around. He can take what God has done as good and turn it around as God didn't do it. It wasn't as good as you thought. It wasn't as beneficial. Where is it now? All those sort of things. He'll throw these things out to you. And what we once thought on as good, we're thinking on now... It's almost like, you know, it shouldn't have happened. Sometimes, you know, the weather people do this. They get me so frustrated. You go on for weeks and weeks and there's no rain. And they've done this for years. They did this back when my, I used to live at home with my, uh, my parents. And I remember my dad talking about this. But they were talking about rain. And it sounds like as they have a rainstorm coming in, you know, this rain is going to come on in and it's going to bring a little bit of rain, but it's so little for what we need, it's really not going to have any positive effect at all. It almost sounds like it's just better off if it just didn't come and rain. The way that they talk about it. That's just not going to help. It's just not going to do any good. Um, I don't know. I kind of think that some rain is better than no rain. Think on what God has done as good. Here's the second one. Think and speak grateful words. Not grumbling about why I didn't get more or something better. Think and speak grateful words. I got to think words. Father God, I am so thankful. I am so grateful for what you have done here. Well, and I got to keep thinking those things. And then I got to speak them. Speak out of your mouth grateful words. This is something that was lacking with the children of Israel in the wilderness. They didn't think grateful things. They didn't speak grateful things. They grumbled and complained. Oh, that we were back in Egypt. Oh, they were back over here doing this stuff. Oh, that we weren't doing this. Think and speak grateful words, not grumbling about why I didn't get more 
or something better. You look at the examples we, sh we showed you so far. You look at Saul. You look at the children of Israel after Gideon. You look at um, uh, Joash after Jehoiada died. If th these things are missing from them. They're not looking back on what was done for them as good, and they're not speaking grateful words. They're grumbling about why I didn't get more. They're grumbling about why something better didn't come my way. That's the, sec that's the second thing. Here's the third thing. Look for ways to return the good that was done toward me. Look for ways to return the good that was done toward me. Well, there was good that was done toward you, now look for ways to return it. Look for ways to do good. Well, I can't do what was done for me. Not asking you to do what was done towards you. Do something. Do something. That woman that uh, Jesus looked at in the temple when he parked himself on back there and watched the offering and he saw that woman she put in the two mites and he said, said to his disciples, that woman has put in more than all the others. He's watching them. He's seeing what they did. She may look at that and say, well, I can't do much. This is really nothing. But she did something. She looked for an opportunity. She didn't just say, well, I'm just going to receive all this stuff. I appreciate all the things that God has done, helped me out, and the things, blessings he has given me. No, she went out there to try and find a place to be a blessing. And Jesus said she gave all she had. Look for ways to return the good that was done toward me. One of the things you will notice about people is they become stingy about the things that they have. And that stinginess causes them to also be unthankful and ungrateful, which is what starts this whole process down. Make sure you keep looking for opportunities to give to other people. It doesn't have to be just be money. It can be other things. You can give your time. You can give effort. You can all sorts of stuff that you can give, but look for ways to give to other people. Look for ways to return the good that was done toward you. That'll keep you in a mindset of being grateful for the good that was done toward you. It'll change things. And here's this, this last one. This is important. Well, they're all important, but get this one down right. See that good, the, the good that you were looking, the good number three. See that good as harvest for what was sown into me, not just seed for me to reap from. What we mean is this. When you turn around, you're looking for good to do. I'm looking for good to put out. I'm looking for places to do good. When you find places to do good, do not look at that just as, well, I'm sowing so that I can reap some more. Look at it as this is the harvest on what was sown into me. I'm not just here to sow and to reap something more, but there is a harvest that will come because of what people have sown into me. And this is a harvest that I'm putting out there. Because people have sown into me, here is the harvest that comes. See that good, the good that I'm looking to do to other people. See that good as harvest, not just the seed. So often we're we're tempted to look at all the things that I do that are good as seed, 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 seed. Well, it could be a harvest too. Look at it as a harvest. Father God, I'm able to do this because people have sown into me and this is a harvest for what they have done. You look at the man at the pool of Bethesda and when Jesus said to him, that was a rhema word that was spoken to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. That was a rhema word. He used it. 
But that word was there to arm him for any doubts, any pains, whatever that might come up in the future. That word was there. Jesus told me, rise, take up your bed, and walk. When people came to him and tried to contradict what it was he was doing, Jesus said to me, rise, take up your bed, and walk. If he starts down the road feeling something, Jesus said to me, rise, take up your bed, and walk. He's going to continually remember. He's going to continually bring in the mind. He's going to have actions born out of that word that was there. He's going to keep that thing in the forefront. When the leper came to Jesus, I am willing to be cleansed. That's a rhema word that was spoken into his life. He needs to go on from there. Jesus said, be cleansed. Therefore, I am cleansed. The nobleman in John 4:50, go your way, your son lives. His whole way on home, no matter what thought came to him, what if, his, what if it didn't work? What if it's not right? What, 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 what? Nope. Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. All these situations are times when Jesus gave these people a rhema word. And what are you going to do with it? There are people who rejected it. We know that the rich young ruler was given a rhema word. Go, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. He rejected that word. But he had a rhema word. He decided not to give attention to it. Now, will you remember the words that God spoke to you or the revelation that he's given? The understanding that he has given to you? When doubts arise or temptation to not believe come to your mind? Will you remember the words that God spoke to you? Will you remember the revelation, the understanding that he passed into your spirit? When doubts arise or temptation to not believe come to your mind, will you remember? If you were healed by a gift of healing, a word of knowledge and so forth, will you remember it or forget it in light of what others say? In light of a recurring pain or whatever else comes against you, will you remember? No, I was in the front of the church. The gift that was on such and such a person said to me, and I I hang on to those things that were said, this is what was said. This is what was spoken. That is a rhema word that is there. There are things that are going to come against it. I have to go back and remember. I have to go back and cause my behavior to be ordered by those things. But the enemy is going to try and get you to deliberately reject what it is that God has said. Has God really healed you? If God's really healed you, why do you feel that in your body? If God's really healed you, why is this going on? Oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. Huh. Long time ago, I don't know how long ago it was, we were teaching you some things on, on healing. And those who are not healed by their faith, remember the Word of God, Jesus sometimes says, your faith has healed you. Sometimes it was their faith that healed them. Sometimes it was the gift that was on Jesus that healed them. It could be one of those two things. But sometimes Jesus would say, your faith has made you whole. The woman at issue of blood, your faith has made you whole. When the uh, centurion came to Jesus, I have not seen such great faith in all Israel. There was their faith that was involved. If I am healed by a gift 
that is in the body of Christ and I am not healed by my faith, if I do not build up my faith after the miracle, I will be at risk to lose what it is I have obtained. You've got to build up your faith. Now, if you're healed by your faith, the woman with the issue of blood, you've been healed by your faith. Well, her faith is already built up. She built up her faith. She's already in that spot. There's a lot of people who go to meetings and they get hands laid on them and they feel something, they see something, and they get up from the meeting to go, but they never spend any time to build up their faith. And so when they get out there and they feel, they feel the pain, they feel a twinge, they hear somebody say, they, whatever it might be, and they begin to, well, wait a minute, did that really happen? Did that really go on? Maybe God didn't do what I thought he had done. And we're not remembering those things to have a positive effect upon me. The thief looks to steal what you have. He's going to try and take what you got. He's going to try and find a way to do it. Don't let him do it. Don't let him get you in the place where you just don't occupy that word anymore. Where I was doing this, I was doing this, I was doing this, but I just got tired of it. Or don't let him get you to the place where you just outright deliberately deny what it is that well I thought I was healed in that meeting I thought I was healed I felt like I was healed but apparently I wasn't apparently I wasn't and we rejected what it is that God has done you don't need to reject it you need to hang on to it you have been given a rhema word and that rhema word will do havoc to the enemy if you keep after it but no, he's out there to try and take that rhema word away. He wants to make you uncertain in that word. He wants to mix some untruth into, into that word. He wants to get it to be compromised in some, some way. He wants to take these tactics that are there and affect them against the word that you have received. Because he knows as long as you do what you're supposed to do with that word, he cannot stand against it. And it will destroy his work. But if you hang on to it, and you take that rhema word, it will change your situation. It will maintain that change that you have. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the examples that you give us in the Bible to show us people who had let go of some of the things that were there, who just forgot what it was that God had done for them, didn't remember it in a positive way, do you remember in a way that, that brought faith to them? Father, we will fight against these things. We will do what you said in your word and always make sure we stay on the side of being grateful to give good thoughts to all the things that you have done, to speak and to think words of gratefulness and thankfulness, not words of grumbling and complaining to look for ways to take the good that you have done for us and sow it into others and give it to others. Look what was done to us and do it for other people. And to see the good that we do as a harvest for what others have seen and not just me sowing to reap. We'll see a change in our life. We'll see that the devil can't use this tactic against us. And we will be successful in what you spoke to us about. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. 
Amen.